When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is The View from the Gladys Street, a podcast by the fans for the fans, as we go on the terraces to discuss all the big talking points at Everton Football Club. Hello there and welcome to the Everton Fan Podcast. You are listening to The View from the Gladys Street on the Royal Blue, Acast and iTunes channel. I'm your host, Ian Kroll, and joining me on today's show, we have a regular and a first-timer. My first guest, the regular, is Rob Astle, back on the show after a week off. Welcome back, Rob. How are you doing? Well, I'll meet you. Yeah. Uh, very well, thank you very much. I'm making his debut on the show. We have a massive blue in Ben Crawford. Welcome on the show, Ben. How are you doing? I'm very well, thank you. Good. Um, today's agenda is a mix of reaction and preview. We will look back at the win over Watford and discuss what the Blues' visit to Aston Villa has in store. We'll also have a little segment on what the lads thought of the flags and the, uh, the atmosphere for the first home game of the season. Ben... I'll give you the floor first. Just give us your thoughts on the, the start of the season so far. Obviously, we're only two games in. Um, but yeah, give us your thoughts on that and where you see the Blues heading in this current campaign. OK, well, uh, I think it's a lot easier to talk about after we beat Watford. I think that was a bit of a nervy end to the game. But after Palace last week, I wasn't too concerned, albeit that is kind of what you'd look back at last season. I think that's one of the winnable games of the season. Coupled with a win against Watford, it doesn't suddenly look too bad. Although we weren't perfect, I think... You know, got a lot of players not either not fit yet, not in straight from transfers or but you know, I think four points from, as long as we get a three points again on Friday against Villa, I'd have took seven from three. So quite happy. Potentially top of the league on Friday if we beat from Villa. What will that I, feel I'm like? not, not talking about the top of the league to be honest <laughs> at the moment. So now three games in, isn't it? Uh, far yeah. too early. Um Rob, what, what what did you make of it? Obviously it wasn't, you know, the most, you know, eye catching performance, but you know, we got the win, didn't we? And that, that, that was the main thing. Yeah, it felt like a bit of a slog in the end. Um, I can't really echo what Marco Silva said at the end of the game. You know, it wasn't perfect, but the three points is all that mattered. You know, we can improve, we will improve. Um, I felt... I felt I was actually quite impressed with Watford up until about 75 minutes. Yeah. Their press in the middle of the park kind of pinned us back a little bit. Um, they're a good side as well, and you've got to be careful against teams like that when especially when they got they had two wingers in Delafeu and Pereira who can cause you problems. But I thought our compact shape held really well. Um we had apart from the goal, probably had, what, two or three other cha- other good chances to, to wrap it up, which we probably should have done, but otherwise yeah, you know, not perfect but Could uh, we have done to ki- done more to kill the the game off then in terms of you know it's, it's a one nil so it's always edgy, isn't it? You know Dominic Cavett-Lewin again for all his endeavour didn't really create much and then Moise Keane comes on and has probably got two chances in the space of, of five minutes should we have really made it 2-3 easily I mean you, you, you mentioned them chances there but with Charleston had two brilliant chances one at the end of the first half three header and a similar situation in the second yeah, half yeah that header was probably you know, should have been on target you've, at got, least, to, you've got to hit the target in those situations um, Moise Keane you know I felt he probably should have buried that first that first chance he had, which was the one which went over. The second one, I think, I think that was flagged offside anyway, wasn't it? Or, or, or it would have been. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you've, but 
that sharpness and that you know that killer instinct will come with games like right now for me it's just get get points on the board get keep his eyes up as you can in the league and and keep going and keep going until the players do come into form and it becomes a mix of both then um Ben, clean, another clean sheet. I mean, we haven't conceded at Goodison since February, which was against Manchester City. Um, the Keane and, and Mina partnership is obviously a good start of the season. What, what, what have you made of that so far? Well, to be honest, I've been quite pleasantly surprised, to be honest. I mean, I was the first person, sort of end of the season, June time, to say Kurt Zuma was the priority yeah, yeah. above Andre Gomez, above even above a strike at that point, because I thought he was that good. Yeah. Not so much him individually, but playing. he seemed to make Michael Keane twice the player he was the season before, but again, I wasn't sure what to expect from Yeli Mina this season because he is pretty much our only option, but you know what, two games in, I don't think I'd disagree with you if you said he was man of the match in both games. He was phenomenal again on Saturday and so far so good. Let's just hope they both stay fit. Have we done him a disservice, you think, Mina, in terms of, because yeah. like, you probably say 90% of Everton fans were like, no, we've got to get Zoomer in, we've got to get Zoomer in. But the only thing you could probably say about Mina is that his injury record hasn't been great. I don't think anyone's really criticised his, his quality of play. But do you think, you know, we probably should have been a bit more loyal to him in terms of, well, we don't really need Zuma? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, to be fair, on the other occasion he did come in last season, I remember it was for sort of he got two clean sheets against Chelsea. Did well, I thought, in the Anfield derby. Didn't do a lot wrong, he just didn't seem... I just felt more comfortable with Michael Keane having a sort of quick, pacey defender the other side of him to cover him in case he lost the ball in the air. But to be fair, it doesn't although they seem to be quite similar players, me and Keane and how they played, it seems to seems to gel just as seamlessly as Zuma and Keane did. I think that's a lot down to Michael Keane. But last season, I didn't see anything in him that I thought was I didn't see a great quality defender. I thought he looked okay, but mm. I didn't look at him and think. You know, I'd be happy with him being Everton's first choice centre half season. But based on the two games so far, touch wood, I'm happy. And Robert, it was a bit of a scrappy game as as we mentioned. But do you think that's just purely down to the fact that you know the midfield is clearly unsettled, isn't it? You know, it's not. It's a midfield that you can see hasn't played together yeah. for a, a prolonged period of time. Yeah, and as well, I don't think what helped on on Saturday was the booking for Andre Gomez because that meant Gabamon had to deal with a lot of the you know the nitty gritty which is to be fair what he's in there for mm-hmm. and then I felt because of that I felt Sigurdsson was dropping a bit deeper I mean you and I did speak about Gilfie Sigurdsson after the game and mm-hmm. I actually watched it back on football first and the amount of times he was coming deep to help the midfield out was was quite a lot really and I think I think that's what made it a bit of a disjointed effort in midfield like I said it was a bit of a slog mm-hmm. um, you know they, they had the core and Kapua who were who were trying to run the midfield as well and it it was it just made it that kind of a tough game really what did you make of the core did you did he stand out in any way Not really, no. no I don't I don't think I don't I've never really understood the core he's a big no. lad don't get me wrong don't get me wrong he's he's but I've always thought why I don't I mean I think we're after him because because Marco Silva trusts trust him you know he played with him before at Watford and that but I certainly wouldn't be going back in there for him. No, not at sixty million. Not at sixty million, no. I mean, obviously, I watched the game, but I did try to watch him in particular. In, yeah, and he, he missed that chance, didn't he? At the um, towards the end of the game, it was when um, it was like a half chance, but it probably should yeah. have connected to it. Connected to it a bit, yeah. But I'd, otherwise, he wasn't he wasn't anything special. I thought Kapoor had a better game than him, if I'm being honest. Yeah, but just my opinion on it, really. Are you a Decore fan, Ben? I am, yeah. yeah. I raised him, to be honest. I was made up when we were linked with him. And although I, I agree with you, I don't think we should be going sort of 60 million north of that. But yeah. 
do I think he'd improve our midfield? Yeah, I do. I think, although I don't think he's got, like I said before, the the eye for goal, but just as a unit in the middle of the park. I remember the game against Wofford at home last <laughs> season when we scraped a draw. He absolutely ran that midfield. He absolutely destroyed us in midfield. And, you know, just having that sort of unit in the middle who can go box to box, I think, would have helped us this season. Although I'm happy to see what Kabamon can do. And so far, Andre Gomez looks every bit as good as he was last season. So. And, sorry, on, on Gabamon then um, first first full game. Um, what did you uh, What did you make after the of his performance? Well, I think he's still trying to acclimatise to the Premier League. That much is pretty obvious. A few straight passes and a few long balls that didn't quite reach the intended destinations. But you know what? It was nice to see a midfielder on the ball that deep trying 30, 40 yard passes. Okay, they didn't come off, but you know. Better movement from the forwards, maybe, and in another game they can come off. And I think that's what we've lacked as Greece as a just a gay was winning the ball back and Harry and players. You know, to have a player alongside as well as Gomez to pick up the ball and be willing to pass the ball forward 20, 30 yards, I think can only be a good thing once he's up to speed, to be honest. Yeah. I mean, surely Rob, there's more to come from him two games in. Like. I mean, I was just on, on Gomez and I. For me, there was a few candidates for man of the match on on Saturday, and I think he was one of them. I felt I thought he did really, really well. Like I said, the game was a scrappy game in midfield. It was stop start, and like you just said there, Ben. I think when he's up to speed, I think he'll be a real asset. He reminds me of Fellaini in terms of his size and the way his physicality, he, his physicality yeah. the way he puts himself about. And I thought, like I said, Andre Gomez got booked in the in the first half, and I felt he took the responsibility on that in midfield to make sure that what nothing got through. Really, I, I was really impressed with him, given the the unnecessary flack that he got the week before yeah. against Palace, which mm. was completely, you know, unfair. I thought he did really well. Yeah, Coleman was my man of the match. Don't know if you again. Another, that's, another, that's another. That's another shout. He play. He played well at right back, and then what was it? 75, 80 minutes gone when he's asked to play left back, a strange position. There, you think we're going to shut up shop? Mm. But he's bombing forward, and he's leading by example. That's why he's captain. Mm-hmm. You know, he's making sure that he, he's the one, you know, performing at the top of his game. He's he, he's another option for the man of the match. My personal man of the match was probably Mina. Yeah. I felt given... I with that either, to be honest. Given the fact that he had Troy Deeney to deal with, he was an animal in his own right. And then he had... Who did the other, the other fellow they have on top come off the bench? Andre Gray and um, and Danny Welbeck. I felt he dealt with them all really well. Mm. Um in his, in his own way so there's a few candidates really for man of the match I thought and for me it's Mina but Gabamon certainly going back to the point could could easily be given it to um, Ben what a save from uh, Jordan Pickford by the way you know probably probably not done much um, because you know Wofford didn't really offer much to be fair in, in the second half and you know the ball goes through like that um, and he's there to, to rescue us and you know what a save what did you make of it? Well to be fair Start by saying I think it's a big season for Pickford this season. He had a great first season, player of the season award, great. Last season, I think, maybe a bit of a World Cup hangover, if that's not a cliche, but you know, this season he's probably not been had to be in action for a lot, but he's had a couple of one on ones against me, you know what? Stood up to the test. No matter how much he he actually knew about that shot on Saturday, he didn't know a lot after it. But um mm. I mean he had one against Palace as well. Exactly when Jordan Nye went. He's done the exact same thing. Not had to do much, but when he's been called upon. You know, he stood he up to the shot. That's the sign of a good yeah. goalkeeper yeah. at the end of the day, isn't it? Doing mm. nothing for eighty minutes and then pulling a good save out the bag. That's one of his. That's one of his better attributes as well. Pickford than one on ones. He's, yeah. he's quick out of his box. He's quick off his line. Makes himself big and makes himself big. And that's one. And yeah, agile. Yeah, I agree. Though 
this season's massive. After what happened last season and, you know, the Derby incidents and stuff like that, he obviously lost um, lost his form, but he's, you know, he managed to find a comeback, but this season he kind of needs to probably step onto another level and so far, two games in obviously, but so far, so far, so good. Um, what do you make of the penalty decision then? Because I'll be honest with you, the VAR one, you know, for Mina and Delafeu, at the time I thought it was a penalty, and then when they were going to do the um, the decision, I thought this is this is going to be a penalty. This, but obviously I haven't watched it back now. It wasn't a penalty for me, so I don't know what you go on. You, so we spoke about it, didn't we? Yeah, we, were yeah. say, we were saying, and 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 I thought I was that not being given as a penalty because the ball for me doesn't change direction no. on first sight, but it isn't, and. You know, fair play to VAR. Fair play to VAR, and 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 in a sense, I can't believe I'm going to say this, but fair play to Lee Mason. <laughs> wow, you are right. Honest, honest, honest to God, you still had a few shaky straight, moments. Straight, oh, we did, yeah. But on that decision there, he could have easily given that penalty, yeah. and I, I think he had a good good view of it, and he didn't rush into the decision, and he pointed for a corner. And all the Wofford players were crowding them out, and you know that Pereira especially was giving you know giving them down the banks and things like that. And he was going, "I'm not making the decision." He pointing to his ear. In a way, he bought himself time, hasn't yeah, he? Yeah, yeah, really? and, and that's and fair play, you know, and that's and that's how VAR should be used. You know, it was it was a yeah. prime example of how, how well it can be used there. But yeah, I was astounded it wasn't given as a pen. But you know, VAR has come up trumps there for us. I said on the way to the game, I said there'll be a VAR decision in this game, which could. Got you know go for it against us. Luckily, it was there. Uh, but on the same side, on the f- same side of that though, why was Calvert Lewin not reviewed in the first half? Yeah, I can't, exactly that. Yeah, can't remember you know, that one. Thinking about like off the top of my head he's now. He's pulled but, back. Yeah, and he's the ball's played into him and he's pulled back and absolutely nothing given. Nothing. Did we appeal? I can't remember. You can't though, can you? It's just no. But I mean, did, at the time, did the players did he go oh penalty? I can't remember, but we all did. <laughs> and that's what matters. Yeah. Must have been a penalty there. Yeah. Yeah. Are you a fan of VAR, Ben? Or um, well, it helped us out then, but I'm not too sure. I think you know it. It's good getting the right decision, and it feels just. I just hope it doesn't take any of the excitement out of it. Because mm. I mean, even the Everton goal the other day, there was not even a hint of a decision going wrong. But when that ball came over from Dean Dinier. I initially thought straight away, I bet you that could be offside. Even though I kind of knew it wasn't, I thought it's going to stop for a minute. We're going to have to wait for the decision. And that will. We were waiting long enough for the penalty decision, weren't we? And even though Lee Mason was pointing to the corner, pointing to the corner, I'm sort of waiting for the. This is exciting. I. Same as you, Rob. I thought it was a penalty. I think any time you see um again, maybe a bad stereotype of Yerry Mina when you see a quick forward run alongside him. His run is quite clumsy, mm. and he does. He, you wouldn't be surprised if Yerry Mina has just hacked Delafeu down. But with hindsight, it wasn't a penalty, and VAR, no VAR, it got it right. So mm. I guess I won't know until we get a last minute winner yeah. given to us <laughs> or taken away from <laughs> us. Ta- well, that's <laughs> more likely. You look at the amount. You look at the amount of goals throughout the weekend. Know that we're checked with by VAR. A lot of it's going through that. You know, well, a lot of it. it checked, a lot it? of it but being like, but like a lot of it's being checked to the point where like the game's actually stopping. There oh, was yeah. that West uh, the, the the game and the two goals in the West um, West Ham Brighton game. They yeah. were but they were all checked. Um, we obviously know about the City incident and things like that. That's uh, where it's gonna kill the game, isn't it? The City Tottenham scenario. Yeah, you know, yeah. you've just scored the last minute winner there, scramble in the box, and it's being, you know, it, let's be fair, rightly overturned. By the letter of the law, yeah. By the letter of the law, it's rightly overturned. Yeah. But then you've got 
um, they were talking on match of the day too yesterday. You're taking away the organic part of the game, but it depends. What do the teams want? Do they want correct decisions or do they want moments like where Gabriel Jesus scores there and uh, you know the whole crowd's going going nuts and having a really good end to a football match? It, it, you've got to be interesting to see come the end of the season how many decisions have gone for and against each club. Mm, I agree. Because I was saying, well, to, that, that definitely will happen. Someone will make a yeah. table of VAR decisions for and against. Yeah. I said, I said to the fella next to me at the match on Saturday as well. I said, it was like eighty-five minutes plus, and they had three strikes on the pitch, and they just resorted to hoofing it forward at this point. And I was like, you had them trying to, they were trying to cross it into the box. I was like, this is where you've got to be careful now, because they're gonna try and do anything to try and rescue a game and that means either going down on a box with the slightest nudge shape pulling all all that kind of nonsense yeah just trying to get at least the referees on the screens Mm. thinking that there's going to be a decision made so it'll be interesting to see come the end of the season how how much it's affected certain teams and whatnot I mean I'm all for it for the offside rule I just think it can be it's going to be too invasive it's going to be too much you know start off on the offside rule like we we brought in, I know VAR is not the goal line technology, but but we brought that in, and I know it's not used a lot, but it's it's proved to be a success. It's definitive, isn't it? Whereas now, I feel like the offside rule with VAR is definitive, but simplify the rule. No, but with like stuff like um, challenges and and stuff like that, it's all open to interpretation. Subje- a challenge, isn't it? Yeah. A foul, you know, so a foul to one person isn't to the next. Exactly, I know the Delafeu one. Was the correct the correct way? So there's still a long way to go, but I feel one you know this season should have just been offside, and then maybe next season bring something else in, just slowly and like implement it into the game where it's just literally covered the game now. And you know we watched the City game and Tottenham game in the pub afterwards, and it was such an exciting game. It was really really good. Okay, you know the decision yet. By the letter of the law, was probably right, but it's just completely killed that. Almost a fitting end to such a good game, like a last yeah. minute winner for either side, really, yeah, wasn't it? Exactly. But as well, though, in that game, Lamella brings down Rodri. Um, Rodri. So it's not consistent. Then. Nothing, nothing's get. So who's why? Check it, did he? Yeah. So you know, the referees now. I, I crit. You know what I'm like. I, I criticise referees left, right, and centre. I don't like them. I think they're all poor in the Premier League. Bar maybe like one or two. I think Michael Oliver was a decent referee. Mm. The referees now, they've got nowhere to hide. So come out and justify why the action wasn't taken to view the, to, you know, to, to make that, you know, to, to check that. Mm-hmm. So have they not got? Sorry, have they not got a new way to hide through VAR though? Because they'll just point to the watch and say it wasn't me; it was VAR. Not, I'm not talking about. The, I'm talking about the like almost like the panel, whoever is sitting behind that screen, to say why have they not come out? Right. Why, why have they not? So the panel are the ones who are hiding. Yeah, why have they not come out and said, right, we didn't give this penalty now for for, for Manchester City against um, against against Rodri because of this yeah. to make because people you know Manchester City fans and and Brighton fans as well could probably feel aggrieved as well, and anyone else who's had the goal chalked off of VAR, there's been no clear explanation as to why mm. it's been done, is it? It's just, but you're also. You're not going to want to celebrate a goal just in case you look stupid. That's it, yeah, that's another thing. Yeah. So I felt like on Saturday, yeah. even though I knew 
completely nothing there, there was nothing it. wrong with it yeah. that what the nine out of ten celebration if you will that one is still in the back of my mind going everyone's going to be taking the mic out of the match of the day because in a minute it's going to get chalked off two minutes later and then oh. it's, it's a different game it's almost like a momentum swing as well mm. isn't it well I know City the champions so they've got a lot to shout about but can you imagine how they felt against Tottenham this time as well in the Champions yeah. League when it happens but, and what, what's really frustrating as well is is that it's different VARs for different competitions, isn't it? Yeah. Mm. So in the Champions League, the referee goes and can have a look at the league and make decisions. The Premier League haven't the taken league, that. The Premier League haven't taken that up, and I think international football is even 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 more different than that. Mm. And uh, so make it consistent throughout the sport rather than you know you know having it for different leagues and competitions because it, it's just going to confuse fans. Look at last week it, was it um, when Brighton played Watford? Shane Duffy clearly on balls in the area off a free kick. Why was that not reviewed or given as a penalty? Mm. When, but, the City game because uh, even accidental on ball now accident, is it's a, yeah. it's a foul. Accidental on ball. So with, if they can come out and say, right, this is the consistency for it, this is why we did it, then you probably feel a bit better over it But rather than just fume. It's never bit. I mean, this is getting quite deep into it now, but it's never going to be consistent because unless you can implement a rule that can go right down to grassroots football, kids who are coming up in the game, they're never going to know what VAR is like until you be playing the Premier League. I, I'm guessing this, but I assume VAR doesn't exist in lower leagues. Not to my knowledge, no. So no. it's not consistent then, is it? Football oh, no, is, is inconsistent it's throughout the whole. not in the Championship, is it? No, no, it's not in any league. Yeah. So the Cups, so. the League Cups, they're not going to... I mean, are we going to League have... Cup, it was in the League yeah, Cup last year. That was, it was, is it? it was in the Cup, FA yeah. Cup, yeah. It was in the FA Cup as well. Not all games, though. But this season, I think it is. I think you I think the club's got off the facilities, has got the, should have the facilities now to do it. Because that, that was what we were moaning about last yeah, year. Yeah, Millwall. Yeah. Millwall. Yeah. You know, the club but didn't have it. But it's selective games as well, though. They only picked, like, six games from that round. I remember. Yeah, was it based on whether they were Premier League? The home team was a Premier League team as well. Because I remember Swansea against Manchester City they were going mad, weren't they? Because the decisions went against. They had the te- they had the Swansea capabilities. City. They had the capability for the technology, but the FA wouldn't let them use it. And you know that was it the fourth round, wasn't it? Something like that. Yeah. yeah. And so yeah. there was quite a lot of games still, obviously, or rounds still to play. And I'm sure they only selected six games. Yeah. There was like three on the Saturday, three on the Sunday, or something like that. So. How's that consistent? It's Whether it's, fair, it's different it? this year, I don't know. I can't you, give you an answer. You'd, to that. you'd have to say now if they were trial. It sounds like they were trialing it then last year. Yeah, yeah, which be, is fair. You have to think this year, regardless of who it is, you've got to, you know, you've got to have VAR to be able to, in these competitions that you've agreed to it for it to be into. You've got to have VAR. Let's say, for example, we play a lower league team in the FA Cup next year, and then they go, "Oh, we haven't got VAR capabilities. The home to tie should be switched." Mm. If you haven't got the capabilities to to, to, to carry the rules that the match dictates shouldn't be able to host the match mm, I but agree. it's it's going to lose a lot of money isn't it for the lower league teams that's the only thing yeah, isn't it yeah. but that, and that's again that's not something you want to happen but at the end of the day if you know against Millwall last year for us again, for other teams Swansea especially against City at that time you, at that time you want it to be fair if you get away with it and you get a decision that wins you the game I think it's easy to look back and just not worry about it but if it's you on the receiving end of it it's hard to not just say just make the game fair Mm. that's all you can ask well that's enough on VAR it's doing me head in already <laughs> um, let's get back to Everton then The View from the Gladys Street podcast from the Liverpool Echo The View from the Gladys Street podcast lads two two players who were kind of not slagged off last on last week's podcast because the lads you know aren't really here to defend themselves but um, two players who Mark and Connor <laughs> said they were hoping 
will produce more for the team, Bernard and Sigurdsson. Um, ben, what did you make of, of their performances? And are they currently doing enough, both of them? I know it's easy to say for Bernard because he scored, <laughs> scored yeah, a decent goal, but are they, are they doing enough to contribute to making you know Everton to that next level? With Bernard, I always wanted to give him time because he was free transfer last year and he was injured when he came in. And I've liked bits of scene from him. I yeah. think he's quite creative. He's good on the ball. He's really good at holding the ball up, actually, which is strange for a winger. But he does seem to keep hold of the ball. But it's the goals. It is the goals and assists. He needs to improve that side game, especially we don't know what Keane's going to be like fully yet. But, you know, if you've got a striker up front like Carvert-Loon who does all the other stuff, brings players into play, great stuff, but doesn't score the goals, by putting them Bernard and team, you've got another player who... Yeah. Is not pulling the weight goals wise. He's putting a lot of pressure on Richarlison to try and win his games. So, listen, if he keeps scoring and assisting goals like he did the other day, that might give him a confidence boost. Great stuff. If not, I'll be honest with you, I'll be looking at a Wobi and hoping he can step in because you need goals from your wing. I think the way football's played now, your goals come from your wingers. That's the beauty of it, though, isn't it? Now there's competition. He had no one last year, really. To, to yeah. He had Adam Ollerluchman, who, you know, didn't want to be there. Didn't want to be there, effectively. So, you could say, I wouldn't even say Bernard was being a little bit complacent last year. I just think it was just his getting up to speed, getting up to speed and it was his game. That's how he plays, and he was he was obviously a lot more direct um, mm. on on Saturday, and that's what you want to see from him. And he he could have he had another couple of chances in the game as well again at Wofford, and it could have easily again been been a bit of a different story. But I mentioned it on Twitter after the Palace game. He, you know, he's a well beater outside the box, but as soon as he gets inside the box, he, he you know it's something just goes wrong. So. Hopefully he's learning, and hopefully the competition now from Awobi is going to push him. Mm. And Sigurdsson then, because um, a lot of people have kind of picked up on this over the past couple of weeks. I know he he was one of our better players last season. He was our joint top goal scorer as well. But for a player who's cost fifty million pound, Rob, is he is he done enough to, to push us onto that level? Like you you were talking about uh, pre-season with with Zahar and you know not really thinking that we should go for him because he. You didn't think he pushes onto that Champions League level. Is Sigurdsson doing that at the minute? It, do you know what? Right? It's a funny one with Gilfie Sigurdsson because like, I came out the game on Saturday and I was like, for, he was, for me, he was anonymous for the best part of, attack, from an attacking point of view, he was anonymous for the best part of, well, till injury time really, yeah. when he took hold of the ball and you know he managed to keep all that. <laughs> that was, it was that, a good bit of play. That was a good bit of play. You know, and, but then watching the game back, what he was actually doing was, like I said before, he was dropping deep into midfield to help the midfield out. And by doing that, there's too much space between him and Calvert Lewin then where he can't provide and he can't he can't spread it he can't spread it out wide to either of the wingers. Mm. But then if you look at the stats at, on that appeared over the over the weekend, the chances he created or or whatever they call it, not like they weren't goal scoring chances, but like potential chances he, he created were, were you know, we're, we're really good. And you point, you pick something up as well after the game where he said that he was screaming for the ball to be played in on a one-on-one. Yeah. So you kind of want more, for, you want, you kind of want it to be more attacking involved from, from an attacking point of view. But it's just a strange one. He's a conundrum for me. I, 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 pay, I honestly thought if we'd have got Sahar, we've got a, got a Wobie now. I half expect potentially... For Bernard to maybe play that number ten role mm-hmm. seems to suit him. So you think Sigurdsson's uh, coming off the team eventually? Possibly. I don't know. I, I I just I find him a strange player. He can go missing for eighty eighty five minutes, but then come up and score an absolute worldie, mm. and he'll win you the game. And you're trying not to criticise, but you want 
you want someone of that caliber and that who costs you that much money to be to be dictating games and dominating games and he doesn't do that. Mm. But then the stats would go, well, he created this chance, this chance and this chance. But I don't know, it's a tough one with Gilfie. Mm. I mean, Ben, as Rob just alluded to, I, I, I did point out on Twitter, I felt, I felt a little bit sorry for him because there was definitely three opportunities, especially when Keane came on, where he could have... Um, had a through ball right into feet and he was he was clear through on goal and I could see when it, it didn't come off or the ball wasn't played into him you could see how frustrated he was um, so he's obviously he obviously knows himself that he probably needs to do more from an attacking sense from a defensive point of view we, we know what he's like he'll run he'll harry he'll, he'll tackle and he'll do anything um, he can't it's just that question for me whether he fits into that Marco Silva style of play well just like Rob said he is the ultimate Everton enigma at the moment and mm. just being in the ground on Saturday, it seems to be as though he's sort of becoming, I wouldn't say whipping boy, but the fans are starting to sort of watch him more close and have a bit more of a goal. And But at the end of the day, I think like we were saying, I was saying before about Bernard not scoring enough goals, I think if you take Gilfie Sigerson out the team at the moment, I don't see where the goals come from. That, yeah. That's unless Moise Keane comes in and starts scoring 25 goals a season, which we don't know yet, but... For all his faults or whatever, he, he seems to know where the back of the net is. You know, 14 goals last season, it's, that's not a bad return, especially... For an attack on midfielder as well. Exactly. Yeah. And he hasn't scored any free kicks yet, and his penalties were pretty awful, so most of them were open play as well. <laughs> but um, he, I don't... Do I think he fits Silver's style? No. I think that's why he was probably after Decore, mm. to play three in midfield, possibly Gabam and Gomez, and then Decore. Um, but at the moment, do we need him? I think we do. Until, unless Iwobi comes in again, starts bagging loads of goals, but... At the moment, I don't think... If you can't replace his goals, putting Bernard behind the striker, I don't think is going to help at the moment because you're just taking 14 goals out of the team and putting in maybe a bit more creativity, a bit more nous, but at the end of the day, goals win your matches. Mm. I just feel like sometimes... I think what I'm trying to say is I think Gilfie Sigurdsson, sometimes I feel like he's shoehorned into the team. Mm. Yeah. More. But then sometimes he fits it perfectly and I want that to be more... more I want, I want him to, you know, I want, I want him to be the main man, basically. And I don't, sometimes he just doesn't do that. I feel like Silver puts him in because he feels he has to. So if he becomes more and more consistent and he can match that match in the goal turn from last year and, and assist them more and bringing everybody into play, great. Yeah. Okay, uh, final two points then, just on um, the Waffle game before we move on to the Villa uh, segment. Just a little bit, little bit disappointed in Richarlison in the second half. Um, I thought first half he he did okay. Rob mentioned you before he had that he had that chance where he missed it, the other, but I first felt like he spat his dummy out in the second half and kind of just down to us and I think Silver saw that immediately and brought him on for for Theo for Theo Walcott. What did what did you make of his attitude first of all, Ben? Well, to be honest, I, I'm not sort of surprised by it now. We we know what he's like. He's play with loads of flair and his temperament is sometimes questionable. Yeah. You know, he throws himself to the floor one minute, gets up and butts someone the next. He's, <laughs> it's, of course, it's, he's a young player and he's still sort of feeling his way in the game. So when things aren't going his way, yeah, I think, he'd, you know, if that header goes in in the first half, you'd probably see him go on and completely run the defence ragged and we'd probably get another couple. But yeah, I think it was the right decision to bring him off. He looked a bit off the boil. I don't know whether he's quite fully fit yet after the summer. But, I mean... Different question entirely, but I just question the decisions to bring Walcott on, really, when you've got mm. 40 million Alex Iwobi on the bench, but uh, he didn't do much wrong. Iwobi was set to come on, though, wasn't he? Iwobi was stripped off. And, and then, then Dean got, got, got injured. Yeah. Mm. But yeah, I'd have had him on, you see, when Walcott 
come on, that's when I'd have had a Wobie on instead of him. I don't didn't see the benefit what Walcott was going to do in that game, really. I thought we needed... Oh, see, I disagree, and I'm, I'm Walcott's yeah. biggest critic. No, I'm, I'm I not... I thought Walcott uh, did okay yeah. when he came on. I mean, I, I just, I was disappointed... He didn't do wrong, but... No, no, I was disappointed that Richarlison went off because of what happened. And then when you bring in Walcott on, it's like, well, it basically just made the side weaker, effectively, because Walcott's not as good as Richarlison. As Richarlison. But yeah. I think he probably... Still got his pace, hasn't he? So he stretched the game slightly. I think that's what I wanted them on for, to stretch the yeah. game. Which and, he did, really, yeah. because it, when you think about it, when Keane came on as well, there was so much space. Mm. Um, obviously, we were sitting back more and more for the, like, pushing onto us, but I felt the substitution wasn't the worst thing because Richarlison wasn't really giving us all. I mean, it, are you disappointed in his, his reaction, really? Uh, it, not, not his reaction as such, just... He His mentality. He, he wasn't sulking for me. He was just, I think, after it was that pass that led um, uh, Pickford to make that save from Deeney, what, what I think yeah. set him on the wrong path, really. Definitely. he just I just felt like he was really frustrated in himself and couple that with being only being training for the best part of two weeks, whilst the rest, everyone else has had, you know, a full a full pre season. I think yeah. he was a little bit jaded. So I'm not I'm not disappointed in him. And, you know, it'll come again that, you know, the sharpness will come within games. You know, we, he's. His first name on the team sheet for me, really, you know, or one of the first anyway. And um, I just felt at the time when he did go off, it was the right decision. And I, I thought Walcott, again, can't believe I'm saying this, I'm his biggest critic, <laughs> but Walcott coming on stretched the game and I felt it give us that outlet. He took someone on, did anyone see that? He actually took a man <laughs> yeah, on. And then, the, I, mean, the, I mean, the final ball, yeah. yeah. That's, that's always been to Walcott, though, hasn't it? You know what I mean? Baby steps with him. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, Take that. But yeah, I thought. I th- like Ben just said there, I think if a Wobie comes on, which he was set to come on, you know, it stretches the game even further. And we, you know, I think it probably becomes a bit, little bit more comfortable because they brought on far too many attackers at that point themselves. We'll we could, we could, we could easily, we could pick, we could have picked them off them, but is what it is. And, you know, the Charleston will go again on Friday, no doubt. I mean, Ben, as it stands now, just to stay with Charleston, do you still see his position on the right hand side? Um, I'm not, to be honest with you, I'm not too sure. And I don't think the manager is even at this stage because I think last season we'd have all probably said the first six months of the season, he's a left winger. Mm. He's on the left, cutting in off the right. But sort of Bernard's given a bit of a decision to make for the manager because he sort of links up well with Luca Dean. Yeah. So. And now we've got a Wobi as well, who's going to be probably the, exactly, yeah. the left side. And he's, of it's interesting, I thought, the Silver come out and said he's going to be playing on the left because I thought we needed to cover on the right, which mm. is what he was after. And at the moment, I think. On the right-hand side is probably where he fits in the team. Because he seems to do all right with Coleman as well. Yeah. But it's interesting as well. He come out this week, didn't he? And said he wants to play as a striker. Striker. Yeah. Oh, no, that works with Moussa Keane in the squad, like. But and we try. Well, I think the piece of it all is we've got, you know, we've got a Wobie who can play anywhere across, you know, either, either wing. You've got Bernard who could probably play anywhere across either wing and maybe even the number ten. And then you've got Calvert Lewin, Charleston, and now Keane. You know, if you needed to, I think. You might even just see them all interchange at different times throughout the game rather than, you know, be pinpointed, you're our right winger and that's where you stay kind of thing. So you never know how it's going to work out. It, it, if it makes the attack more fluid and, and confuses defences, go for it. Okay. Um, what did we make of the flags then? Um, of, uh, you know, the start of the game, the sirens, Zed cars and the, uh, all the flags. Are you all for that? Is it is it not something that you feel Everton should be doing? What What are we saying? I'm sound with it. If it gets the atmosphere going, great. You know, the place was bouncing the first five, ten minutes, wasn't it? I think that the game itself, the way the game went itself, kind of brought the atmosphere down as the game 
game dragged on there was a, it was a bit more frustration from the crowd but you know the first 10 minutes the crowd was certainly up for it and you know when they I thought when they came out as their cars I thought you know that, you know we nearly took the roof off really didn't we it was great mm. Ben what did you make of it? Well first of all who, who doesn't love the siren you know what I mean it's great isn't it but um, mm. in terms of the flags don't really care it would would there have been a good atmosphere without them? Yeah. Was the good atmosphere with them? Yeah. At the end of the day, as long as the atmosphere is back at Goodison, I don't really care to be honest. So. Yeah, whatever it takes really to try and get it back. You know, I saw the club coming the club coming for a bit. Of, you know, you know, it's a bit Tim Potton kind of kind of thing over Twitter over the over the weekend, and you know what? Because of that, we haven't conceded the goal at home since February. Mm. Yeah, no one, no one, no one's beaten. No one's beat us. So I'll tell you what, you know what? I'd bring the flags out every week if that's what if that's what it's causing. You know, at the end of the day, you want to win football matches, and you do anything you can to do that. So, bring it on! And I think the lads who who arrange it with the club as well have, do, have done a really good job because it's different every time, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, don't be wrong; it's not every it's not every game, but they're not pulling up the flags every week or every time they That's do it. To bring it back and recycle. Yeah, you know, and and you know, sometimes they've got the big mural thing, haven't they, in the in 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 the Gladys Street and stuff. So, you know, fair play to them. They've obviously seen. They've obviously seen. Oh. The atmosphere at Goodison's degraded over the past what ten to fifteen years, and maybe and even more further back than that. And they, you know, they've gone out there and done something about it, and we're reaping the rewards. So yeah. bring it on. Seems to be working, doesn't it? Bring yeah. the atmosphere back to well. Yeah. What I remember last time really was when Moyes was there, and we were. It's intimidating now. Yeah, it's, yeah it intimi- it's intimidating. You know, you, you, seems to work. I know it's only Wofford, but you didn't hear a peep from them. Mm. You know, and, and I'm sure it's intimidating for players, the players as well, and if. But for the home team, you know, for us, it must certainly buoy them. It's just like these are behind us here, we'll get going. I remember the uh, last game of the season, Burnley last year. You know, the atmosphere was absolutely bouncing because it was the last home game. That you know, they had the sirens on and blah 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 blah. And we were tuning up inside 20 minutes, it could have been a lot more. And the game was good, the game was as good as dead after that. And the game won, there's three points, good. We all go on map, you know. Well. Um, I posted a video, didn't I, on Twitter of uh, of uh, the atmosphere and loads of Liverpool fans picked up on it. But we don't really care what Liverpool fans say, do we? So, what, what, what you know, they go on about. I don't really want to get into it on on here that much and go into detail, but they go on about how much they're not bothered about us now. We're nothing and all that. But why why are they bothered then? Why why comment on it? Exactly. You know that they, they were just some of the comments were embarrassing on my feed. Uh, yeah, you know, and, and I, it, it it works, you know, and then. Someone, I saw someone post. We obviously we had the flags this weekend. It was like oh, Liverpool will never do that. And next thing is someone appears with a photograph where they've got all these plastic flags. It just doesn't matter, mm. you know. It's just stick to your own club. Exactly. Um, all right, then let's move on to Villa Friday night. Um, football and gods have conspired against me because <laughs> I get married on Friday night and Everton are also playing on Friday night. And when I say the football and gods, I mean Sky Sports. They basically changed. The, the schedule while I get married. So, um, what do we make of Friday then? Um, Villa, Everton, Villa back in the league. You say slow start. They've actually done okay performance wise. They just haven't, mm. you know, got the got the points that they probably maybe deserve. Ben, are we, you know, are we going to be top of the league by Friday night, ten o'clock? Well, to be fair, first it's just nice to see sort of as much as I don't particularly have any affection for Villa. It's good to see a big club like that, proper English big club coming back into the Premier League, you know, and it's by all accounts a good away day. You know, um, are we going to be softly? I don't know. I hope so. If we play like we did against Watford, attacking-wise, yeah, we should have enough. 
but it could easily go the other way and it could be another Palace and it could be tough because, like you say, I think they've been a bit hardly done to Villa. I think they've played quite well. Mm. They seem to have a decent few attacking players. McGinn and Grealish look decent. But on paper, if we, especially if we have some new players in as well, we should have enough to beat them. But Friday night under the lights, you never know what's going to happen, do you? Um, Rob, we, we expect the, the team to pretty much stay the same or do you think the likes of Keane will get a start at Wolby and stuff like that? Um, I think at the most Keane might play. But See, although, I disagree with you there. I think he'll still start Dominic Carver-Lewin because we've got Lincoln. I think Keane will start against Lincoln on the Yeah, the maybe. I think, I think whatever team he does pick that one Saturday, sorry, on Friday. I wish Villa, it was Saturday. Villa, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Villa are going to... From I've watched I watched Villa against Tottenham in the first game of the season and I watched I watched the highlights of the Bournemouth game and they're not coming to just grind out results they're coming they've got a certain style of play and yeah. I think that whatever what the way that will benefit Everton is that I think we'll find space in behind so I think whatever team he does pick I think he's got to we've, we've certainly got to take, take our chances when we get them and, to, and definitely if Calvert Newton does, does start then you know pressure's on. the pressure's on him there to, to, to score goals to, to score really? goals now so but otherwise, yeah, maybe apart from Keane, that's my opinion on it. But I, I can't really see any 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 um, any changes really. You might Schneiderlin, maybe I don't know. No, he's back, obviously, isn't he? Yeah. So wouldn't think about him out to be honest. I mean, he didn't yeah. do that much longer. Keep him in. Yeah, mm. But it's a bit. Does he switch? Does he switch formations and maybe do the four three three that he wants? That, that we think that he could Six potentially do. Affecting that again. It's back effect, to our previous yeah. conversation. Yeah, you know, it, it's. And it, it all depends on the fitness of Lucas Dean as well, doesn't it? You know, so, uh, that's another thing. It, it, you know, with Baines potentially could be could back be in training, yeah. I think, isn't he this week? And yeah. then, but you never know. Delft might have to play there if he's fit. You know, he that's, his, that, fit, that's his old club as well. So it'd be an interesting game, whatever whatever team he does pick. Uh, predictions, then, Ben. Are you uh, confident that we'll get the win? Well, thanks for coming to me first. Um, <laughs> I can't come on here for the first time and say we're going to get beat. Can I? So I'll go. 2-1 Everton I mean Villa like Villa's openness and willingness to play attack and football and mm. not just sit back probably is going to be to their detriment isn't it for this season unless they can just you know start sitting back and grinding out results so I, I think it could open open to our hands really so you're going 2-1 I'll go for 2-1 Everton yeah 2-1 Keane to come on and score the winner okay that you going for. yeah I'm going to go 2-0 2-0 I think given our defensive record recently I think we're looking pretty solid, Touchwood. Um, but yeah, 2 0, I'll go. Because we've just criticised them and whatnot, I'll, I'll go Sigurdsson and I'll go. Walcott. Walcott. <laughs> You've got back in the Yeah, I'll go Sigurdsson and I'll go, I'll go big Yeti Mina from a corner. Nice. I was going to say that, you know. That's what I'll go I was for. Actually thinking yeah. that Yeti Mina, yeah. Oh, yeah. But you wish you'd gone first now. <laughs> yeah, but 2 0. What do you reckon? I'm going to go conservative, but I still think we'll win. I'm going to go 1 0. Because I think it'll be, I think Villa might tighten up a little bit, but I think we will manage to get the breakthrough. Maybe like at a, a set piece. Because I, I think Dominic Carver Lewin will start. That's just my opinion, and I think he'll save Keane for um, the Wednesday against Lincoln. I mean, always I always stick with the thing as well. Don't change your winning team. No, well, exactly. Yeah. That's the thing, isn't it? Um, but yeah, we'll have to see. See how it goes. Okay, um, lads. Thank you for coming on. No much appreciated. Much we'll definitely have you back on the show soon enough. Um, just so you know, guys, uh, listen out there, there might not be a fan podcast next week, uh, but there definitely will be. 
the one the week after and the week after that and then I will be back um, hosting the show from the 16th of September where we will then preview I think it's Sheffield United isn't it um, the, the weekend on, on from that but there'll be plenty more podcasts on the Royal Blue Acast and iTunes channel which includes the Royal Blue podcast as well as the Alan Myers um, Everton podcast so Rob, Ben thanks for coming on um, and you have been listening to the Everton Fan Podcast on the Royal Blue Acast and iTunes channel. You've been listening to the View from the Gladys Street Podcast from the Liverpool Echo.